Thank you for listening to Airport Church's podcast. To find out more information about Airport Church, visit churchattheairport.com. But I met I met Sean through Adam, and um, um, immediately I just felt a connection with Sean. And I think we, you know, I said a few sentences on the phone, and I kind of realized where this was headed kind of, but we probably still don't know exactly where all it's headed. But one of the questions I asked him, Miss Freddie, right off was, have you ever been to Jamaica? I did. I did. And he was like, no. And I'm sure he didn't know what I meant by that. But I want to back up because where Adam helped piece this together was that he knew that uh, when I was a teenager, or he knew something about this, he, he knew that I had had a prophetic word about speaking at Dope Campbell Stadium when I was a youth pastor. And then before that, roll back when I was a teenager, I had some recurring dreams when I was a teenager uh, from 16 to 18 during the summers. I would dream that I was speaking in the Civic Center. And it wasn't just me. It was me and a, a, there was a stage full of pastors and I don't remember what part that I was playing. I, n- I never really fully understood what part I was playing. I just knew that it was my turn. I would walk up to the podium, and when I would get there, all I knew is that I saw myself raise my hands, and when I did, the power of God hit the, the whole civic center, and people would, would begin to weep, and, and there was a, some type of a response, and it wasn't me, and I never took it that it was me. It was just the Lord hit the place. And I've been waiting on that day where the Lord brings an awakening. And, you know, back then I didn't have language for what was going on. And I guess as I've grown older and seen stadium events and seen what the Lord is doing throughout the land, I believe there's coming a day where we're going to see. And I've been faithful to tell this house we're not the only ones. There's nothing special about us. We're not the trigger. I don't believe that we're so special that the Lord can't use other people. I believe that there are other groups just like us in this city that we don't know anything about. And I think that Sean is here to, to, share, to share that with us, to show that God has other people prepared. We're just a group. And if we will be faithful, the Lord will pull back the covers and he will show us that he's moving and working in places that we just don't know. And in his time, he's bringing all the pieces together. And I think that today is going to be an incredible day where we're going to sit with our mouths open saying, wow, this is some cool stuff. God's getting ready to do something far greater than we could really understand five years ago or eight years ago. I'm excited. So I want you to put your hands together and welcome Sean King. Come on, brother. Adam, will you come up and pray over him? God, I thank you for Sean. God, I thank you for um, just this journey that you've had him on even recently, God, this, this powerful journey that you're teaching him, showing him, equipping him. And God, I ask that 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 which you showed him and taught him, God, it would be imparted into us today to be able to catch part of that vision that you have for this city. So I pray that you give him boldness and clarity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. 
open that for me, Spencer. Thank you. <coughs> ah, I probably won't need it, but thank you. Thank you very much, though. Yeah, yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you very much, brother. Uh, will you grab your wife and bring her up here to the front, please? Yeah. So, <laughs> Jesus liked to start out his meetings this way, so I'm going to start out this way. Uh, before, uh, it was probably like two days ago, I was like praying about God, what do you want me to talk about? And uh, One of the things he shared with me, I wrote it down in my notes on my phone, was to uh, heal somebody who'd be sitting in the front. And then you shared with me the thing about your wife uh, and her heart rate. So uh, I put my hand on her shoulder. Right. Heart be totally healed in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Be completely healed. Well, I thank you for your peace resting on her. Your peace that passes all understanding. And you reveal your faithfulness to her in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Okay, now we can start. <laughs> uh, are y'all able to put scriptures up there, or does people do have people have Bibles or something? Okay, cool. All right, I probably do need this thing after all. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, before I share with you, I'm going to share with you all a testimony, uh, kind of where I come from. Um, how Todd and I are connected in this whole thing about Dote Campbell Stadium. Uh, but before that, I believe what the Lord wants to do today is reveal to you his faithfulness. He wants to reveal to you his faithfulness and remind you who already have known it, that he will keep his promises, that he is faithful to do whatever he has told you. Whatever. Mark my words. Whatever. There's nothing impossible with the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's nothing impossible with Jesus. I'm going to read to you Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Praise the Lord. The just shall live by faith. Yes, I do need that water, Spencer. Thank you so much. So none of y'all really know me except Adam and Michelle, and Spencer and them in the front, basically. Uh, I'm from Tallahassee originally, born and raised. Uh, went off to the Army when I was about 17, dropped out of high school. Dropped out of high school, never finished the ninth grade. Went off in the Army, messed up that whole career, went to prison, got out. Uh, came back here to Tallahassee. I was about 19 by that point. And started selling cocaine and weed, ecstasy, lots of drugs. Uh, throughout that whole time, though, I always knew there was a God. I always knew there was a God. And nobody could convince me otherwise. I grew up 
around people who call themselves Christians, but I never experienced you people. <laughs> people like y'all in here. <laughs> All right, singing, you've you're got your hands up. I mean, the, the Christians I had been around, if you twitched your finger, they'd come over and like, Want to t- are, you, are you okay? Is there, is there something wrong? Don't get too excited about all this stuff. <laughs> so I assumed as a kid, there's, these people don't even know God. There's no way the Christians know God. I mean, they talk about all this stuff in this Bible and things. They, they don't even believe it. They don't even know this guy. So anyways, I experienced miracles as a child. God would show me things, tell me things, but I had no context for it. So fast forward, here I am. I'm, I'm an adult now. I'm selling drugs. And all the while, I'm trying to ignore that I know there's a God. I know He's real. I know He speaks. I know He lives. I know He shows things before they come to pass. I know He can work miracles. But I can't think about any of that stuff. Because if I think about that, I'm going to have to change my life. So I just keep blocking it out, blocking it out. And anytime my mind goes there, I go, no, 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 no. I can't think about that or I'll have to do something with it. If I, ha- if I recognize there is a word of the Lord, then I'm going to have to do something with it. So I just kept ignoring it. But all the while, God was still faithful and kept me alive. I should be dead. I've had hit men come and put a pillow over my head, which if y'all don't know what that means, they're silencing the shot, and go to shoot me in the head and then not do it. Uh, countless times I've had situations I should be dead. So anyways... About the time I was about 24, I decided I'm going to start figuring out who this God is. I'd been checking out Buddhism, Transcendental Meditation, Islam, uh, Hare Krishnas, all, all of it. I wanted to see who is he. And I put the Bible at the end of the row. You know, <laughs> I'll try this out. So I tried the Bible, start reading the Bible. I show up at a little Pentecostal church, and they finally start telling me about this Jesus. You know, you grew up in America, hear little bits and pieces. Jesus died for your sins. Don't you know that? Okay, but why? What does that mean? Well, Jesus loves you. Okay. What does that mean? Why did he die for my sins? I'm not that bad of a guy. Then I finally heard the whole gospel that I was guilty before God and that I needed a Savior. That apart from him, I had no life. That it's appointed every man wants to die, but then after that comes the judgment, and I was going to face a judgment, and I needed to know the Savior. But then they started telling me something about him, that he'll take the hard heart in me and he'll put a new heart in me and give me his spirit and he'll write his words on me and he'll change my life. He'll make me a new creation. Amen. I was like, how could he take me? I'm sitting in this church, by the way, and the drummer, who's the drummer? Where'd he go? Where'd the drummer go? Oh, he went over there. The drummer of this church went to shake my hand and he was like, hey, how you doing? You know? Just normal. But to me, in my background, I thought the guy was trying me, testing my manhood, you know, trying, looking down on me, you know, and I thought, who's this, who's this dude? I sat down. I'm just, I got my eyes on him the whole time, you know. I sat down. I sat down in that pew, and I just started thinking, you know. My mind's going. And I'm feeling the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going back, wow, look at these people. They really know God. They were like you guys, you know, crying. People are on their faces. People are bowing. I'm thinking, wow. Everybody in here sees a vision that I don't see. They've got some type of vision, some type of sight that I don't have. Because all of them are experiencing something real. They're experiencing something real. And then I'm right back to thinking about that drummer. Who's this dude think he is? 
he thinks because he's he was a big guy. It looked like he was on steroids or something. I think he thinks just because he's so big, I won't do anything. <laughs> I'll wait till after this church. I'm gonna fight. Th- I'm gonna fight this guy. I'm gonna fight this guy. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show him. <laughs> I'm gonna show him. I went. Oh wow! Look at these people. That's so wow. Oh man, Jesus! Wow, Jesus is so real. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. Now, what about this drummer though? <laughs> I'm back and forth, back and forth. Now, I'm gonna fight him. I think I'm gonna fight. Now I can't fight here. This is church property. <laughs> I can't fight on church property, but I started thinking. I thought, now there's a sidewalk out there. Four feet, four feet from the street is city property. So <laughs> I'll wait till he gets on city property and then I'll do it. I can't fight on God's property. Like God doesn't own everything. <laughs> Anyways, I'm thinking about all this. Long story short, the pastor comes up, he, he, he ends the worship, and he says, We need to pray. And I decided, you know what? I'm done running. I finally heard about this Jesus and that he loves me in spite of me, that he actually loves me so much. You know, the Bible says that anyone, you, somebody might die for a good man. And someone might even die for an incredibly good man. But Jesus died for me and for you when we were at our worst, when we were his enemies, when we spit in his face, and when every action of our life said, I don't want you, and gave him the finger and walked away. And yet he still was willing to die. I had never experienced that. I said, I I want that. I'm ready. So I put my hands up. I start praying. I just did what the people did. I didn't know. You know, I'd been holding on to the the chair in front of me. There's no way I was putting my hands up. But now it felt right. I'm surrendering. You know, it's like the sign of surrender. I Here I am. I'm done running. And I didn't know what to say. I I don't know how to pray like these people. I don't know how to put this into words. I knew what was on my heart. And the next thing I know, I feel one little hand on the back of my shoulder. Well, a big hand. <laughs> and this guy starts praying everything that's on my heart that I just didn't know how to say. It's, oh, I've got such a hard heart. I've got so much anger and, and bitterness and unforgiveness towards myself. And I'm so empty. And, and, and uh, God, I just I need your forgiveness. You know, I want to go to heaven. I want to be born again. He's saying it as though he's me. And I'm going, yeah, 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 what he said. and then that's when it blew me away because I realized whose voice it was it was the drummer (laughs) it was the drummer so I I said wow wow (laughs) I'm I'm done running (laughs) I'm done running I said God you know what it's taken my whole life to realize this but Everything I've done in my life up to this point, every sin I've committed, treated other people bad, treated myself bad, was all because I was looking for love. I was trying to find acceptance and love so I would do all these things. You know, I thought I could find it in money and success and women and drugs and whatever I could find, and none of it worked. And I said, God, I just realized right now that's, what it, that's what's been going on. And I've never known what love is, never, until this Jesus. I've never known what love is until this Jesus they're talking about. That's love. That's real love. And I've never seen it. I've never seen that before. I've never experienced it. I've never felt it. So you know what? I want to go to heaven. I want to be born again. Yeah, I want my sins forgiven. I definitely don't want to go to hell. But actually, even if you don't give me that, 
What I really want to know is I just want to know what love is. Show me what love is. Next thing I know, there was a blinding light all around me. I was immediately filled with the Holy Spirit. I felt this warm, liquid love flowing through my whole body. I started speaking in tongues. Didn't know how I know what was going on, but I started speaking some other language, Chinese or Japanese or Ethiopian or something. I was saying something that wasn't English. And I was overwhelmed by this joy and peace and love that, I mean, it felt like somebody had squeezed down the sun and put it in a little, like, pill-sized, and then put it in me, and then it re-expanded inside me, you know. And I looked up. I was, I was pinned to my seat by this incredible weight, and when I finally was able to look up, I saw what this light was. And I was in an open vision. Nobody was in the church. The ceiling was missing. And here, standing on the clouds, clothed in light, as bright as the sun, was the Lord with his arms open like this, looking down at me. And it wasn't until later that I read that God is love and he clothes himself in light like the song like the sun it says in the Psalms so wait for the vision it will come to pass because one day we're all going to see him just like that again because it says he's going to come on the clouds with great glory and every eye is going to see him so you're going to see that vision too that vision's for you amen amen so uh how me and Todd met I got saved a few weeks later I'm like, all right, I'm a Christian now. You know, I don't know what this is, what I do with this, but you know, what do you want me to do besides the basics? You know, I clean the toilets. You want me to be a janitor? What? So I'm at this worship service, and I, I, uh, I'm bowing down, and I'm asking God, you know, what do you want me to do now that I'm a Christian? What do you want me to do? And so next thing I know, I see this vision, and I'm standing next to a stage platform. I'm kind of off to the side, like over here. And I'm, I'm looking out at this sea of people, just a big field full of people. I can see the trees off in the background. And there's somebody up in the front, and they're preaching. They're, they're standing out preaching. And I'm like, who is that? And I'm trying to look, and I realize it's Jesus. Jesus is like up there like, oh, you know, he's preaching to all these people, and they're just blown away. All these people are looking at Jesus preaching. I was like, wow, that's really cool. What is this? And the Lord says, that's what I want you to do. Okay, all right, stand next to a stage. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. Right now? Okay, I'll go over here. So <laughs> he had also shown me a vision for a friend of mine. It, he, my friend asked, well, what are you going to, you you hear the Lord, will you ask him what I'm supposed to do with my life? I thought, oh, dude, I've been a Christian for like a week. <laughs> like, <laughs> no pressure. And so I see this vision, and I'm seeing his life on a TV and I'm telling him what I'm seeing on the TV. And then in the vision, though, I'm standing on a street like a red clay dirt road in a third world country wearing a backpack and I'm looking at the TV. And so the Lord's like, that's what he's going to do. And you're going to go to Africa. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to Africa and I'm going to stand next to a stage. OK, got it. <laughs> so two years later. I wrote the vision down. In this process of time, I wrote the vision down and made it plain so that I could run with it. Amen? I made it really plain so that I could run with it because I knew it was going to come. I had to wait. But surely as he lives, he will keep his word. Amen? And in the process of time, I had to make it plain because other people would come to me and go, you're going to go to Africa? You don't even speak African. 
I had a friend of mine. We went out. It was me and two or three friends. We went after church one day, and she said, well, why don't you go do this or go do that or be a pastor? I said, no, no, no. God says I'm going to go to Africa. And she said, how are you going to go to Africa? You, you don't even speak African. <laughs> I, said, I said, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. The Lord speaks whatever language. So if he said I'm going, I'm going. Amen. I had to make it up in my mind. I had to be sure in myself that what the Lord had said, he would do it. Despite what everybody else said around me. I had an eighth grade education. Okay. How am I going to go overseas and stand next to a stage? <laughs> right. So in that process of time, I'm working random jobs. The Lord would send me have we work here or work there. And he used it. But everything that was going on in my life, none of it said you're going to go to Africa. Nothing. Nothing. So my circumstance, what I could see, said this is not going to happen. I don't speak any African languages. I don't even have a passport at this point. Well, after two years, I felt like the Lord had sent me back to go to college. I'm, I'm going to TCC. I'm ending my last semester. And a series of events begins to happen because I waited. And I trusted in the vision. I show up at a prayer meeting one night. We were doing prayer meetings. I think they were going to that church. We were doing prayer meetings every Tuesday night. I lock up the door. Right as I lock the door, the Lord says, you will never do this prayer meeting ever again. I went, okay. Lock the door. The next night, I go to a, a prayer service. And while I'm in the service, I said, Lord, I'm, I don't know what you want me to do. You know, what, what do you want me to do? When do you want me to go to Africa? You know, I've been waiting. What do you still need to prepare in me for me to go and the worship leader suddenly just stops playing she's like wait is this on Bloop. yeah she's like Bloop. you know hits the little keys and she says you're already prepared go i went what <laughs> what in my head you know in my head I went what i mean i had the look on my face if she could have seen my face i'm <laughs> so I, I what i said was you're already prepared go repeated oh jesus Oh, Jesus. So I came home. Lord starts telling me, I want you to go in seven days, go to Uganda. I had to Google it. I never heard of Uganda. I knew Uganda was in Africa, but I had to Google where it was. In seven days, go to Uganda, fly out of Jacksonville, Florida at sundown, buy a one-way ticket. I started packing my bags. He said, that's too much. I kept whittling down my bags. Too much, too much. Finally, he told me, Matthew chapter 10, heal the sick, raise the dead, take no silver or gold, neither two shirts, extra shoes, because the worker is worthy of what he needs. He kept his word. Amen. Now, do you think everybody went, yeah, <laughs> yes, the Lord has spoken. Do you think they did that? You're, you're, you are absolutely right. They did not say that. They did not say that. Because what the Lord speaks to you is because he's given you faith for it, not the person next to you. Otherwise, he'd have told them. If he's called you to do something, he has given you the faith to do what he's called you to do, not somebody else, or he would have called them to do it. So don't worry about everybody else needing to believe what the Lord has spoken to you. Now, still take it to wise counsel. I mean, if, if you're telling people like, God told me that I should kill my neighbor because they keep being so loud. You should recognize that that's not from the Lord because he says don't kill somebody, okay? <laughs> Bounce it off some people. But if the Lord speaks, 
He will give you faith for it. So, yes, you're right. Not, most people did not believe what I was telling them. I showed up to some people's houses. That surely these ones, these, these saints, these are some old season saints. They've, they really hear the Lord. They've got a lot of faith. And I told them, that, oh, you better make sure it's the Lord. I mean, what could happen? And they just start sowing doubt after doubt after doubt after doubt. Well, you know, you could get there. And what if you die? And what if the per- there's nobody there? And wh- wh- what's going to happen? Are you sure it's the Lord? You better be sure it's the Lord before you go. I left there. I was like, oh, gosh. My faith was like, you know, if it was a faith bottle, it was just drained out. Anyways, I didn't listen to him, obviously, because Todd and I met. (laughs) Write the vision and make it plain so that you can run. Not walk, not back up, but run with it. Amen. So I went and sold my car. I had $15 in my name, so I sold my car. Sold in about 30 minutes. I put it on Craigslist. The Lord said, sell it for this price. I had about 50 people call me back. to. I was on the phone with one telling them, I'm sorry, I've already sold it to the first person that called. And while I'm trying to tell them that, the phone's ringing. I'm clicking over, and it's somebody else calling about the car. So it sold immediately. Anyways, next week, here I am about to get on the plane. And something else I left out was this. When I prayed about going to Uganda, I said, all right, Lord, well, you know, what, what am I going to do when I get there? He just said, go. He didn't say, go and call such and such ministry, get together with this person. Don't add to what the Lord has told you. He said, go to Uganda. That's it. And then he showed me a vision of the airport lobby in Uganda. I've never seen this place before in my life. And there about... 50 feet in front of me in this vision. It was totally empty except for one six foot two, six foot one middle-aged African man, about 190 pounds, looking at me. He said, that guy will be there to pick you up. I went, okay. All right. If you say so, you're faithful to keep your word. I'm going to write it down and make it plain. So I wrote it in my little journal, something like this. That way when people start going, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I wrote it down. It's It's... I wrote it down just so I don't forget. It's going to happen. So a week later, here I am. I'm in Jacksonville. I've got a ticket leaving. The flight leaves at sundown. I actually had a flight that I had to look up what time sundown was. It's leaving at sundown. Here's a couple of my buddies dropping me off at the airport. I've got my Camelback water bag. It's a bag that holds water in it. And I've got a Bible, a notebook, an ink pen, and a handkerchief. And that's it. Oh, and a passport. That's all I've got. My friend's sitting down at the table. I'm about to walk through security, but we're eating some food before we, before I walk through security. And he says, hey, uh, you know, I know you, you feel like the Lord's spoken to you and shown you all this stuff, and, and, and uh, he's confirmed it this whole way already. And so I, I know, but, uh, you know, my, my pastor, he's got a friend that's a pastor in the capital city of Uganda, and and uh, he already called him and let him know your whole story and that you're on your way there. And so here's his phone number. He said, you know, you just call him and look him up when you get there, and, and he'll help you. And so here's his phone number. And so he slid it across the table. Do you know that everything that you go through, if the Lord has spoken to you, you're going to go through a test. Do you know that? I'm just letting you know. 
You're going to go through a test. If God says, I'm going to do this, there will be a test before it happens. And the very test that the Lord wants to use to build your faith, Satan wants to use it to destroy your faith. Serious. That test will build your faith, and you can go through the test with joy if you realize the test is from the Lord. Or Satan will use that same test to destroy your faith and make you depressed, anxious, and down. So you know what I did? I slid it right back over to him. <laughs> I'm, not take, I'm not taking the devil's way through this test. I, I didn't tell him that, but I'm not doing that. There's two ways I can go through a test, and I'm not taking the devil's way. So I slid it back. I said, thank you very much. The Lord never said to meet that man. I wasn't rude about it. I was polite, you know. He did it out of a good heart. I said, no, thank you. The Lord didn't say to meet that man. He's got somebody waiting for me at the airport. So the next night, it's a week before Christmas, here I am getting off the airport in Uganda. And there's this six foot one, six foot two, middle-aged African man, about a buck ninety. He's ahead of me in the row. He'd been on the plane with me from London to Uganda. He had been sitting at the front of the plane, kept looking back at me on the plane. I kept going, what's this? Why does this guy keep looking at me, you know? That can't be the guy. <laughs> That can't be the guy. The Lord showed me him in the airport lobby. That can't be him. Sure enough, we're going through immigration, and he keeps, you know, I'm kind of short, so he's looking over everybody back at me, and he'd go zigzagging through the line, and he'd look back again. And I'm like, why does he keep looking at me? So anyways, I get out of the airport. I come out in the lobby. He's not there. I walk outside, and as immediately when I walk outside, I'm the only American, so obviously I have money. So immediately I'm uh, surrounded by about eight taxi drivers. Oh, Mazungu, Mazungu. Uh, it's Swahili for a white. Uh, can we take you to the Hilton? And I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll take you to the Hilton. I said, no, 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 I have a ride. What's your profession? When you're waiting on the vision to come to pass, what is your profession in the midst of it? I told these people, no, I have a ride. I have a ride. Oh, where are they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, what's, what's their name? I don't know. They kind of looked at each other. Do you have a phone number? No. <laughs> they all looked at, they looked at each other like, oh, he's crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's crazy. <laughs> So anyways, I was like, I got to get away from them. I got to get away from them. You know, people will do the same thing to you, too. If the Lord shares something with you, they will start asking, well, if that's true, then where's this? What's, gonna, what's it going to look like? When's it going to happen? I don't know. He said, wait. I don't know. He didn't say when it was going to happen. He just said, wait. So I'm waiting. Well, well do you have a phone number? No. He didn't say I needed a phone number. Don't let other people's doubtful questions get you on the devil's side of the test rather than God's side of the test. Write the vision and make it plain and wait for him. Amen. So I got away from all these people. I went over and sat in this little bench on the outside of the airport because there's a big crowd of people. Families all packed at the front. I'm like, I got to get away from this crowd and hear from the Lord. And so I sit down and I said, Lord... You said go to Uganda, and I'm here. 
you know. I'm thinking, I did my part, you know. I'm here. As soon as I sat down and said that, he said, stand up. Okay. (laughs) All right. I stood up. And when I stood up, I could see kind of over the crowd, and I could see into the airport lobby because, you know, it's all glass front. It's still empty. It's still totally empty, except there's this one guy walking around like this. And he's looking down a hallway, and he's looking over here, and he's looking over there, and he's looking all around. And I realized, wow, that's that six-foot-two middle-aged African guy running around in there. So I take off to the front, and I lose him in the crowd. I lose him in the crowd. Now, it's 11 o'clock at night, and I've only seen this guy from that far away. I'm not finding him picking out in the crowd. It's not a guy that I know. You know, I've never met him before. It's not If, if I knew one of y'all long enough in here, anybody in here, if I knew you long enough, I can pick you out of a crowd quickly. But if I've only ever seen you from 50 yards away a couple times and in a vision... I'm not really trusting myself. I'm just going to be honest. I did not trust myself to pick this guy out of a crowd. Because if I get the wrong one, I say, Hi, I'm Sean. I'm from America. No one knows where I am. (laughs) That's a good setup for 60 minutes. (laughs) So I start walking. I decide, all right, I'm just going to make my way to the Capitol. If you are believing the Lord for something... Faith does something. Faith is not just a noun, it's a verb. You've got to do something. If you really believe that you had the winning lottery numbers, you better go play tonight and share some of it with me. (laughs) So I realized if I'm really believing that God's got somebody to pick me up, then I better start making my way away from this airport. I can't just stay here at this airport forever. They said the capital's about 30 miles away. That seems like a good place to start. I'll start walking. So I start making my way towards the parking lot, leaving the airport. And I'm walking down this sidewalk, chain link fences on both sides, barbed wire and razor wire, and guy standing there with an AK-47 guard in the parking lot. It's definitely not London Airport anymore. It's very obvious where I am in a third world country. And so I'm walking up towards this parking lot, and I say, God, you know, I'm not doubting you. I'm not. But I don't like this situation. You know, I'm ready we get this show on the road, <laughs> wherever this person is. And so I said, you're my refuge and my strong tower. I'm in the shelter of your wings. I trust you. I don't trust myself right now to go pick this person out of that crowd. But I trust you. And it's easier for them to find me. So, instead of me finding him... Have him find me. And I didn't know it this whole time while I'm saying that. Somebody's running down the sidewalk behind me as I'm saying, have him find me. And about the time I finish saying, have him find me, this hand grips me on the shoulder and says, hey, I have been looking for you everywhere. (laughs) Come with me. Off we start going. Oh, we, amen. Praise him. <laughs> Praise him. <laughs> Psalm 37 says that this man, this poor man cried to you and you helped him and delivered him out of all of his fears. And he did. And here we go walking. I didn't even care that it was a little strange holding another man's hand, you know. 
so he puts me in the car. Where are your things? Where, are, where is your luggage? This is it. <laughs> this is all I got. <laughs> he gets in the car. <laughs> he gets in the car. His brother's in the front seat. His sons are in the back seat. I'm sitting next to them. They said, oh, you know, they, they go to shake my hand. I introduce them, you know, they said, you are, uh, are you a Christian? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am. What kind of Christian? <laughs> they went, what kind of Christian? They, they're trying to be, sh- they're trying to find out if I'm really saved, I think. He says, are you, uh, I was like, I don't know, a Pentecostal, born again, uh, spirit filled, I don't know what you'd call me. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, oh, Mukama Yeba Zibwe. It means praise the Lord. He says, he says, we are also born again. He says, now you are a brother. I've known him for 30 seconds. You are a brother. <laughs> I said, wow. I'm about to start crying while I'm sitting there. And so I, I tap uh, Mr. Fred, who turned out to be a pastor. I said, Fred, uh, why did you st- why did you come find me? I I want to know your side of the story. He said, "Well, I saw you in the airport, and when I came to my car, I could not leave. I could not leave. And then Jesus tells me, go back and find the Mozungu." <laughs> And bring him to your home and give him a place to stay in Uganda. So why are you here? I don't know. (laughs) I only, if the Lord has only revealed what he's revealed to you, you don't have to know the rest. You don't have to answer everybody's questions. Just go off what he tells you. I mean, he told Moses, hit a rock. Why? I don't know. He said hit it. And he didn't hit it. Or no, he hit it. He didn't speak to it. So, anyways, I stay with him the first night. The next night, he says, I'm going to have you stay with my senior pastor. Uh, he has a bigger home, and, and it'll be easier for you to stay there. I said, okay. So next night, I meet the senior pastor. I don't know why they call him a pastor, because that's not really what he is. So we show up to his house. It's late in the night by the time we get back there. And we walk into his house, and I'm looking around the house, and the very first thing I see is the only decoration that he has in his whole house. His family had the money to decorate the house recently, or at that time. And they spent the money. They could either spend it on doing more ministry or decorating the house. So obviously... The house didn't get decorated. It went to the ministry. And so the only decoration they did have was a poster on the wall of his ministry, what his ministry does. And when I looked at it, I finally realized, now I know. Wait for it, and the vision will come to pass. Now I know that the Lord does keep his word, because I walked in, and the very first thing I saw was a poster. And guess what the poster was of? It had a stage. 
It had a stage. And it had a field. And it was full of people. It's full of people. So this guy's ministry was to go around and do big meetings, outdoor evangelism meetings with a stage, and a bunch of people, thousands, tens of thousands of people, would show up to these meetings. Usually not the first day. first day it was usually about as many people in this room. And then God would do something. And the next day there would be a thousand. And then he'd do some more stuff, so the next day there would be five thousand. And he'd do some more stuff, so by about the eighth or the fifth or sixth day, there might be 40, 50, 60,000. They just keep showing more and more and more and more. Amen? Well, shouldn't it be that way? I mean, isn't that what Jesus did? He talked to one lady at a well. I mean, his whole evangelism meeting, he set up a, a big old evangelism meeting, and one person showed up. But they had an encounter and went back and got the whole city. Said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Amen? Amen. So I came back here. I lived there for about six months, <clears throat> just under six months. Everything I had need of was provided. Anytime I needed clothes, food, whatever, random people would come up to me and say God told them to give me food or give me clothes or whatever. It is crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> so, I mean, they knew me ahead of time. So if I need any witnesses right here, I got three. The Bible says have at least two or three. I've got three right here. <laughs> they knew me ahead of time. So <clears throat> after I had been there, for about a week or two, it's around Christmas time, so you got to be very careful not to be out. Uh, some of the more radical uh, Muslims, um, they'll just get really violent around the Christmas time. They want to go kill people. So I had to be very careful not to go very far from the house alone. After that, I didn't really care. And I didn't care, honestly, to begin with, but my hosts were worried about my safety. So I'm stuck in the house for about a week, and the pastor comes to me, who, who's actually an evangelist, and he says, uh, Sean, uh, maybe you should pray about why you are here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought, that's a good idea. Now, I realized later the main reason I was there, as soon as I prayed, the Lord said, the reason you're here is to learn how to do what this man does. I've brought you here to learn how to do this and bring it back to America. Yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, I'm like, God, all right, well, yeah, but what do you want me to do in the meantime? Other, when we're not doing crusades, they call them crusades. So if I use that word over and over again, I'm not talking about going in with a sword and killing people, all right? <laughs> it's a, crusades is what they call these big outdoor evangelism meetings. So anyways, in the meantime, I'm asking God, what do you want me to do? And he shows me this hilltop and a, a temple. And I said, okay, what is that, Lord? And then he shows me these two people. I said, okay, what is this building? He says, oh, this is a temple where they do worship and sacrifice to many different gods. I said, okay. And then he showed me two people. One of them was this bearded man, and then another one was somebody cleaning the floors, mopping the floors. And he said, I want you to go talk to those two people. I said, okay. All right. The priest and somebody else. Said, All right, cool. So I asked around. I said, hey, God showed me this vision and said, go do this thing at this place, and I'm describing it to the people in my house because they know the area. I haven't been more than a couple blocks from the house yet. I said, oh, no, brother, pray again. <laughs> I 
Write the vision and make it plain. Run with it. It will not tarry. Wait for the Lord because it will come to pass. Amen. I said, no, no, no. I know what I saw. I know what I heard. Let your senses be tested. If you know those scriptures, you can test whether what you're hearing is really from God or not because he'll never contradict his written word ever, 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 ever. I'm going to emphasize that. <laughs> I said, no, I know what I saw, so I'm not, I'm not going to pray again. I'm not going to get on the devil's side. I know what he said. I wasn't rude about it to them. I'm just thinking that to myself. So, okay, well, that's all right. It's somewhere. Whether y'all know about it or not, it's here somewhere. So a week later, I'm here with the pastor. We're walking around downtown Kampala, which is the capital city. It's three-plus million people. We're walking around downtown, going to pick up a suit that his dad had bought him for the Christmas service or something we were going to be doing. They were going to be doing at the church. and so, uh, Or maybe it was New Year's. Anyways, doesn't matter. We're going to get his suit. So we're winding our way through downtown, and we, we're going down this street, and it's built on a bunch of hills, by the way. And so we're walking down the street, going down the road, and all of a sudden there's a, you know, like 20 or 30-foot st- uh, uh, or story building, another 20-story building, another 20-story building, and then it just kind of opens up to not being a high-rise anymore, but there's a building there on top of this hill, And it's got elephants on the outside and monkeys and different statues and all this stuff. I went, oh, it's a Hindu temple. Look at that. Hindus believe in millions of gods. Bam, there it is. I hit my buddy. Hey. Yes? Ie? (laughs) Actually, he said, Wanji? What? In in Lugano, Wanji? He said, you said there's no temple. That's right there. Oh, no, brother. Brother, that is a mosque. <laughs> That's not a mosque. There's elephants on the outside, man. That's a Hindu temple. I can, I, I've never seen a Hindu temple before, but I've watched National Geographic. That's it. <laughs> so I just marked it. I, didn't, I couldn't go in. We were on our way to do something, but I marked it. And I, I'm coming back. I will be coming back here. So a couple days later, and now mind you, I don't have any money. So anytime I need to go anywhere or do anything, I'm going to have to ask the Lord to provide for me. And he did every time. So somebody came to me the next day in church. And, hey, the Lord just told me to give you this money. I went, great, that's enough money for a taxi, and I can get down there. So the next morning, I packed up my handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> and I hopped in a taxi and headed on downtown. Walked up into this little Hindu temple, kicked my shoes off, because you're supposed to take your shoes off when you go in there, and I'm walking around, and I start thinking about Paul and his, his talk with the guys in Athens when they had all these different statues to different gods, and you know he found the one that was to the unknown God, and he started trying to preach the gospel through that, and so I'm looking for any way that I can preach the gospel. I'm trying to figure out, okay, what can I use to try and bring up the gospel in, in this place? You know, I mean, I'm in their temple. They got armed guards out at the front that I've already had to walk past to get in this place. And I'm about to tell these people, you know, all your gods and your whole life is wrong. Everything you've ever believed was wrong. There's no telling what's going to happen if I tell them this, you know what I mean? So I'm saying, God, I need some wisdom on how to (laughs) bring this out. So I'm walking around, and sure enough, here comes up this bearded man. And I went, whoa, 
it's the guy. It's the dude. <laughs> so we talk for just a brief moment, and he says, oh, you should check out such and such God out here, and, you know, this, that, and the statues. I'm like, okay, all right. Fine, I'm, I'm, I'll walk around and check the place out, and in the meantime, I'm praying and asking, like, how am I going to start the conversation with this guy because he's the priest. It's the head priest of the Hindu temple that I'm supposed to talk to. So I'm walking around, and I go outside to check out this statue he told me about, and I walk out there, and sure enough, it's a statue. It has a mouth, but it doesn't speak. It has eyes, but it doesn't see. It has ears, but it doesn't hear. Just like the scriptures, even though they put food in front of it, and I thought, what? they can't even eat it. What? <laughs> Made a lot of scriptures come to life. If I was hungry, why would I ask you for food, you know? So anyways, I go up to it, and I'm, I'm near this statue, and, and here's this guy mopping the floor. It was an African guy hired by a janitorial company to that was hired by the temple to clean the place daily. And so I came up to him, and the Lord gave me a word for him. I said, hey, man, you're a, you're a Christian, but you've been running from God. He said, yes, yes. I said, man, God's, and I told him, you know, I was praying. God showed me you and told me to come and find you here. So I'm here to talk to you and tell you God's calling you back to himself, you know. And I, we talked about the prodigal son, how the prodigal son ran away and thought that his dad would never take him back. Basically, you know, he had just ruined his whole life with his father treated him horribly, and then the father took him back. And I'm summarizing everything, of course. So I share with him the love of Jesus, and this man starts crying, and we're praying there, and he's given his, he's recommitting his life to Jesus in a Hindu temple. We're in a Hindu temple, standing right in front of a Hindu God, and he's given his life to Jesus. <laughs> so we walk back inside, and he's, he starts praying for me to go talk to the priest. Because I told him about the priest, he said, okay, so we're praying about me talking to the priest too. So I walk back in, he keeps on mopping the floor, and I sit down in this little chair, little, they had plastic chairs, kind of like the ones in here, but plastic, and I'm just sitting down in the temple, and they're playing the, it's got some kind of music playing, bells ringing, and incense burning, and they're bringing out milk and cookies or something to the different gods. I'm joking, but I'm not. They were bringing out milk and stuff and putting it in front of the gods. And so, <laughs> they <laughs> so anyways, this priest keeps coming and sitting with me. He keeps coming and sitting next to me, and he'd get up and walk away for a minute and greet somebody when they'd come in, and he'd come back and sit with me again, and we'd talk a little bit. And I'm asking him, I'm just trying to ask him questions. You know, what do you believe? I, I know a little bit about Hinduism, but what do you believe about all this? And so he's trying to explain all the different gods to me, and he'd get up, come back, and we're talking. I'm still praying, God, where's the, the door to share the gospel with this guy? And he finally says, so why are you here? I went, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so then I start telling him about my vision. I didn't tell him about the vision of his temple. I told him about the vision of coming to Africa. I said, two weeks ago, my God showed me a vision and told me to come to Uganda. And he showed me a vision of a man being at the airport to pick me up. And so I, I told him what I just told y'all, but in a shorter version. And the man was there. And so now I'm in Uganda. And then a week ago, my God showed me your temple in a vision. And he showed me you. And said to come and talk to you. Because you have been seeking to know who is the God. More than ever in your life, 
More than ever in your life, you have lately been seeking to know who is the God. And he said, yes. Yes. I have been praying and fasting for two months. And my only prayer has been, who is the God? And can I tell you, he found out who the God is. It's Jesus Jesus. The scripture says he stretches out the heavens by himself. There is none beside him. There is none like him. There are no other gods. The Lord himself says, I know of no other. There is no other. There's only one. And it's Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the way Todd and I met is because God keeps his visions. And he brings his visions to pass. Write them down and make them plain so that you can run with it and wait on him. Wait on him because it will come to pass. So after five and a half months, I left Uganda. Felt like the Lord said, you've learned what you can learn here. They don't need you. And they don't. They've got revival going on in Africa. They really don't need me to spend five years trying to learn to speak fluent Luganda. And then there's 40 other languages that I'd have to learn in the country too. So... They don't need me. They're doing just fine without me. I went there to learn Holy Ghost Bible School and come back here. And when I got back here after about two weeks, I was in a prayer meeting. And we're all gathered around, about five or six people. Were you there, Tracy? I think you were. We're all gathered around in a circle. And we're praying. And the Holy Spirit starts leading us to pray. And I start praying over the campus, Florida State. And the next thing I know, uh-oh, here comes another vision. <laughs> here comes another vision. I'm standing, but I'm not standing on the side of the stage anymore. I'm standing on a platform. And I'm standing right in, the st in front of the student section of Doak Campbell Stadium, looking up at a stadium full of people. It's nighttime. They've got the lights on. It's, it's late at night, maybe 9 o'clock or something at night. And it's packed full of people, but they're not there for football. They're there to find out who is the God. Amen. And I start praying out what I'm seeing with the group. And we're, I'm praying it out. And the power of God came in there so strong, every one of us just about hit the floor. We all dropped down. Oh, you remember that? Were you there? If you were there, you'd remember the thing. Whew. Whew. <laughs> So as I began running into people since I've been back from Uganda, I'd run into different pastors and they'd say, oh, wow, you know, I'd meet somebody. You got to meet my pastor. Come, we went talking. I'd share what God had done. They'd say, oh, wow, we got to have you come speak in our church and da, 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 and, and, and just share what the Lord's done. And, and they say, so wh where did you go to seminary? <laughs> I, <laughs> Uganda, yeah. I didn't. Well, where did you go to college? I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, it was nice having lunch with you. Wow. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not on this side of the test. I'm on this side. I'll look at it with a smile. Really? I can't speak in your church? Oh, man. Praise God, the vision's coming to pass. If there's a test, you don't need to get down. You should be excited. That means it's that much more guaranteed. 
oh, we're coming up on the Red Sea. Now we're doomed. No, this is great. It's that much more guaranteed. The more impossible it looks, if the Lord has spoken, you should look at impossibilities and get excited. You should look at lack and get excited. I had, a, I had my shoes stolen, my only pair of shoes, being more poor than probably most of the people in Uganda, but not to look at it. You'd think, oh, he's American, he's got money. And so I woke up one day and somebody had uh, stolen my shoes. You keep your shoes outside. And most people have walled, a wall around their property, around their house, with like barbed wire or broken glass on the top. But somebody had broken in and stolen my shoes. So now I had no shoes. And my friends said, oh, what are you going to do? You have no shoes. And they're all worried for me. How are we going to get you some shoes? Oh, we've we got to figure out some way to get your shoes, something, some shoes you can wear. And I started rejoicing and praising the Lord. I said, why are you getting excited? Why are you getting excited? I said, because now I get to know him in a way I never knew him before. Now I get to know him as the provider of my shoes. <laughs> I left Uganda with three pair of shoes. <laughs> he gives exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or think. Amen. So if you look at the test, the test is the proof. The test is the proof that he will keep his word. How did I know that? Well, I didn't even need a word from the Lord. He already said he'd provide all that I have need of. So I knew, no, he said he'd provide for me. I don't have shoes. He knows that. So thank you, Jesus. I'm, you're bringing shoes to me. I don't know what kind of shoes they're going to be or when I'm going to get them, but I'm getting some shoes. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. Why aren't you sad? Because he keeps his word. He's always faithful. Just wait on him. Amen? So anyways, I got back here. I'm telling different pastors. Well, why did you come back here? Oh, because God's God said to preach the gospel in Dope Campbell Stadium. He's going to fill that place up and give us the football stadium to preach the gospel. Oh, but you've never been to seminary. Oh, but you never finished high school. How are you going to do that? Who's going to give you the football stadium? What denomination are you with? Well, I'm with Jesus. <laughs> I'm with Jesus. Praise God, I don't need anybody else. I want everybody else. Phrase that. We need each other. Amen. But if God's spoken, he'll bring it to pass. So that's been four years ago next month that he gave that vision. And in the meantime, I've had to wait. And the Lord has kept his word on other things. And there have been tests. And there are people come have come to give every other option to jump on the devil's side. Oh, well, that'll take a lot of money. You don't have enough money to rent a whole football stadium. I don't need a lot of money. My daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He already owns the stadium. They, they're leasing it from him. <laughs> they are. They're leasing it from him. I don't need, I don't need that. I've got all I need. The Lord is my portion. Amen. So uh, a couple months ago, uh, I met a friend of mine who introduced me to Adam and Michelle. Then they introduced me to Todd and said, wow, you got to you got to meet a friend of ours, a pastor friend of ours. So I go and meet Todd and we went out to Grubburger, I think. Right. Yeah. Went out and grabbed burger 
and I let him share first about his dream. He had a dream. I'm going to make sure I'm telling this right. I don't want to have like a telephone game, you know, where I tell it and it's a little bit different. So he goes to telling me about this recurring dream he had of preaching the gospel, but it was in the Civic Center and then having a word about preaching at Dope Campbell Stadium that somebody had prophesied that over you. And I don't know if y'all know this, but there's been lots of prophecies spoken over that stadium for years. So we're talking, and he goes, do you know about all that? And I went, yeah, 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 yeah. But I want to hear what he's got to say first. And then he said something I realized that the Lord had put this thing together. He said, yeah, in my dream, everybody there, it was like they weren't professionals or they, they hadn't done this thing before, you know. They weren't big names. It wasn't like people were there because they heard, you know, so-and-so big preacher was going to be there, and that's why they're there. Because God's not going to share His glory with anyone. People, all those ministries are used. Don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that God's not using other ministries. But in this particular thing, God wants it to be all about Jesus. I didn't tell him that. But that's what the Lord had told me. And then he says, yeah, yeah it was like none of us had ever, none of us were, knew what we were doing. or you know, it, was, it was totally new. And nobody knew our names, right? Isn't that what you said? Nobody knew our names. And when you said that, I went, this is the Lord. This is the Lord. Because every time I had shared the Dope Campbell Stadium thing with other people, even pastors that were like, yes, I believe this, they say, well, we got to try and get, I've got a friend that, you know, uh, we'll get Bethel worship or we'll get so-and-so big pastor. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not, not that that God can't use them, and He does. But He wants this to be all about Him. This is not about bringing Christians together. This is about bringing the lost. And the lost don't care. They don't know who those people are. I didn't know who Billy Graham was, or Reinhard Bonnke, or Todd White, or any of these guys. I didn't know who any of those people were when I wasn't a Christian. The only name that needs to be known is Jesus. That's the only name, because that's the only name that's going to save. It's the name that's above every other name. And at that name, every knee shall bow. Amen? Amen. So, I'll leave you all with one last scripture from Zechariah. Actually, it's from Luke, but it's about Zechariah. I want you all to get the faith like Zechariah. Everybody hates on Zechariah. They do. They hate on Zechariah. Zechariah was uh, the wife of Elizabeth. He was the father of John the Baptist, right? Cousin of Jesus, forerunner of Jesus. He was the one that came to prepare the way and announce the coming of the Messiah. Some of y'all know this? Okay, all right. I don't like to summarize stuff like that, but I'm doing it. So, I'm going to read to y'all. Oh, maybe you can roll through it. Do y'all have Bibles? Okay, wonderful. The scripture is Luke 1, 5. I'm going to kind of read through Luke 1 a bit. Y'all didn't bring your Bibles? <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to keep a serious face. <laughs> in Africa, in Uganda, we would say, you are not serious. <laughs> you are not serious. Uh, 
Okay. There was in the day, are we good? Yeah. There was in the days of King uh, of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. They were both well advanced in years. So it was so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many children, many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit of, and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But, behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias, marveled that he had lingered so long in the temple, but when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after these days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me, to take away my reproach among people. Everybody hates on Zechariah. I've heard this said so many times that, see, Zechariah didn't believe the word of the Lord, and so the Lord punished him and made him unable to speak. I want to suggest to you that that's not at all what's going on here. Zechariah heard the word, and then he said, but how will I know that this will come to pass? How can you confirm to me that, that this is actually going to happen? How can I know? How can I know? And he said to him, but, 20, verse 20, But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Even though he doubted the word and said, I need more. I still need more confirmation. I still need more to know that, what, that this is actually from the Lord. This is actually going to pass. God still gave it to him. God still gave it to him. And so everybody else could have come around and said, oh, Zechariah, you're mute. We, we perceive you've had a vision, but dang, man, you can't speak. Like, what's going on? He can't even tell him. He's got a motion with his hands and stuff. I don't speak sign language. You know, some people could have come to him and thought like, well, how are you going to be a priest? You can't even talk. You know, could have put him down. How's he going to tell his wife? 
But every single day that he woke up and wasn't able to speak, the devil could have taken that and said, like, see, this isn't going to happen, right? You doubted the word. You doubted the word, so God made you a mute. But I don't think that's what happened. I think Zacharias went home and came out of that temple so excited, got home so excited. I know he got home excited because it says she conceived as soon as he got home. (laughs) It says after these days of his priesthood, she conceived. (laughs) So he believed the word, and he was an old man. It says both of them were old, advanced in years. I think what actually happened was the Lord went, and he couldn't talk, and he went, oh, man. Every moment when somebody would go to ask him something, he'd go, huh. It was like, yes, yes, yes. We're not going to have a miscarriage. We're not going to have any trouble. I'm going to have a son. His name's going to be John. He's going to go before the Lord. He's going to announce the coming of the Messiah. And people would go, well, why can't you speak? And he'd go, oh. he was leaping for joy it didn't say he was going to have joy at the birth it said he was going to have joy and gladness and other people were going to have joy at the birth he had joy and gladness the whole way because every time he went to speak he knew oh no 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 oh no 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 this test this 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 muteness this thing that i can't even see i see my my wife's stomach getting bigger but i still don't see the baby she could even miscarriage she could have a miscarriage you never know. But every time he knew, uh-uh, 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 the vision from the angel, that's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass, and I'm going to wait for it. Even if i got to wait nine months and everybody's going, but you can't see the baby yet. Uh, yeah, but he's coming. Well, what if something happens? Uh, it can't. It can't because I still can't talk. I still can't talk. Believe in the word of the Lord, whatever dreams you've had, whatever things the Lord has spoken to you, visions he's given you that you've kind of let die or or forgotten or thought this will never come to pass. I'm too old. It took too long. I expected it to happen in this amount of time, but it didn't. Your expectation of the timing might be wrong because if he said it will happen, it will come to pass. Take joy in the test. Take joy in the test, because it will come to pass. It will not tarry. Wait for it. Wait for it. And we're going to preach the gospel in that stadium, too. Amen. Amen. We're going to see revival in this city, because that stadium is going to be packed out, full of unbelievers, full of unbelievers, crackheads, prostitutes, backsliders, Adulterers, thieves, liars, murderers, everybody's going to be packed in that stadium coming to know the King of Kings, the Savior of the world. Amen. I just want to speak something else. There's, there's somebody in here too. Um, I didn't give a full explanation of the gospel, but there's somebody else in here too. I want to encourage you that the scriptures are true that God really does do what He said He would do and really did the things that He said He did. Jesus really did walk on water, rose from the dead, died for your sins, every one of them, so that you could be totally free, totally forgiven, and have eternal life. And all you have to do is believe. That's it. It's that simple. It's a 100% free gift. You don't pay for it. 
You can't earn it. It's just a gift. All you got to do is believe in it and accept that gift. You've been questioning, you know, uh, what are these weird people doing? And, you know, <laughs> that person close to you that, that their life seems to be changing because of what they've been encountering with Jesus. And it throws you off to think, you know, could this stuff really be real? And I'm telling you, it is real. He will change your life. He will transform you. He will give you joy and peace that you could never even imagine. So I just want to encourage you, if that's you, don't wait. Don't, don't wait. I waited 24 years for my life to start beginning. The Bible says that apart from Jesus, you have no life. Jesus said that. Apart from me, you have no life. And I can tell you that I didn't start living until I was 24 years old. I was just existing. I existed for 20 years, 24 years. Don't wait to start living. And don't wait till the last minute. You don't know when is your last day. The Bible says that it's appointed everyone wants to die and afterwards comes the judgment. You don't know when could be your last moment. Give your life to Jesus. He can, take way, he can do way better with your life than you can. Amen. Amen. Uh, if anybody would like prayer, you want to bring people to the front? I don't know if you want to do that. Yeah? Yeah, if anybody would like prayer for anything, you want to come to the front and we'll pray for you. Uh, physical things, whatever. Praise the Lord. I want to ask you all a question that's going to be a little more pointed. If you have been growing up in church, been around church, maybe didn't grow up around church, think you have some kind of spiritual walk, whatever, I want to ask you a very pointed question. Do you feel like you've come to the place in your life where you know for certain that if you walked out these doors today and died, that you would go to heaven? Or is that something you're still working on? Are you still trying to figure that out? Because if you don't know for certain, the Bible says that you can. It says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. If you don't know for certain that you have eternal life right now, come forward. Come forward. We're not taught. Th this isn't about uh, embarrassing you or putting you in front of somebody else or making you feel on the spot. We're talking about your eternal destiny. Your eternal destiny. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said that. Uh, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. But, but, whoever does not believe in Him is condemned already. Already. If you have not accepted Jesus, I'm here to tell you that you, are, you stand condemned already. 
because of your sins. Everybody on the planet already stands condemned before a holy and just God for what they've done. And Jesus is offering you free forgiveness for all those sins. You cannot pay for them. There is nothing you can do to make up for what you did. If you murdered somebody's child in here, there is nothing you could do to make up for what you did to them. Only Jesus can make up for that. He died for your sins and rose from the dead. Hallelujah. You don't have to be afraid of the unknown. When I came to Jesus, I, I told you all my testimony. I had no idea what it was going to be like to live as a Christian. How am I going to have fun? How am I going to have a fulfilling life if I can't sleep with women, go, go chase girls, go out to the bar and get drunk, go to parties? How, how, how am I going to have a fulfilling life? How am I even going to live? I don't even know what to do. I don't even know the first step to take. Can I really trust that it'll be worth it? And I'm telling you, it is a better life with Jesus than any place elsewhere. Any place elsewhere. I used to roll my eyes at people that said that. So if, you, if you're thinking that, I used to be in your shoes, and I rolled my eyes at people like me. And I'm telling you, I have probably tried more drugs. Slept, I've slept with a lot of women. I've gotten more money. I've done things that other people have not done. And I can tell you, no matter what you could try in this world to solve your problem, to give you fulfillment, I can already tell you I've been there multiple times, and it never worked. So just stop wasting your time. You don't even need to go there. I've already been there, and I'm coming back and telling you, don't go there. It's not worth it. I'm telling you what the answer is. It's Jesus. Believe it or not, it's Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't even have to, you don't have to understand all the questions about who God is. All you need to know is that all of us, all the earth, has sinned against God. Every, there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God loved you so much that even though you are guilty before Him, He was willing to take the punishment for you. Father, I pray that anyone else that is still uh, afraid. This message was brought to you by Airport Church in Tallahassee, Florida. We pray you were encouraged by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this message. To find out more information about Airport Church, visit churchattheairport.com.